0: well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. This is Gresham Fourier on WEEI. Get Boston Sports Original on the go wherever you go. Just download the Odyssey app.
2: Twelve on one. Gresham Fourier here with you. I saw somebody on this whole NFL PA thing before we get to the Celtics. Only 55% of players feel that former head coach Bill Belichick was efficient with their time. Again. And then the players feel that Bill Belichick was rarely willing to listen to the locker room. Both were 31st overall. Oh man this is this oh, this, this I'm telling yep. you when they oh god okay okay I'm just going to go along with it they're going to listen to everyone and maybe maybe it'll maybe it'll work yeah one this reminds me that one little nugget right there reminds me of how we thought that the reason we kept losing in Miami is because we didn't get to Miami early enough to get acclimated to the heat. Mm-hmm. So we convinced Bill, this is what's good for us. This is the difference between winning and losing. Sends us down there early on a Friday morning. We spend a couple days there, get used to the heat, still get our ass kicked. This sounds like the same thing. Yeah, you know the reason why we only we only won four games is because Bill wasn't efficient with our time and you didn't listen to us, what? This is a problem. Oh, yeah, because now it's going to be uh, – do you think it gets as silly as, okay, who would like to start today with a complaint, a bitch, a beef? Anybody got anything? I can just see, like, Dude, we, were it, just, we were just joking around. Like, hey, you go to – hey, sorry, Coach, Um, me and the quarterbacks. I'm TJ McCarthy. I'm the new uh, quarterbacks coach. Sorry, Coach. Uh, you know what? I didn't get to install any of the third down plays or red zone or goal line. You know because, you know, um, you know Mac had some issues that he wanted to get off his chest, and we re- we all want to make sure we gave him enough time so we didn't he didn't feel rushed and he can adequately adjust to the, the new situation, right? Because it's important. So we're not ready. We can't run any of the plays. No big deal. What's more important is how you feel. It's the cart before the horse mentality, which I think is going to literally torpedo this team. It's going to torpedo. If you sit there and you give all this, if you somehow decide that hearing them out is more important than actually performing, you're in trouble. And just for the record, I've never been on a team where the players didn't have a voice. Hey, uh, hold on. I'm sorry, Christian Fourier, two-time Super Bowl champion, three-time, New- uh, you know, three years with the New England, four years with the New England Patriots, and around Bill Belichick. Might you say that one more time? I've never, voice. ever been on a team in the NFL where the players didn't have a voice, or at the least had a spokesperson, a, spo- uh, 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 a veteran committee, a player committee, a captains-only meeting, hey, I can't get to Bill because I don't make any money. I'm. Gonna, hey, the way we practice is all effed up. Can you go talk to Bill? Yeah, I meet with him every Friday. I'm gonna bring it up. So you mean like Slater, Andrews, Guy, people like that who would meet weekly with Bill? That, that, that every would be, year I was with, I played there four years. Every year there was a captains. The captains met on Friday. If we, if I had, if I needed something to be said, and I was a little, maybe a little nervous about saying it. Um, because I wasn't as nearly as secure financially, you know, in the pecking order of things, and I mm-hmm. wasn't a captain. I'll tell, hey, Izzo, what the hell? Brabel, Teddy, you guys need to talk to him about this. The hotels suck. Talk to him about that. Famous quote from the dynasty. Laurie Malloy didn't like his hotel room. Went to Bill. He gave him a suite. He's, he doesn't bend, though. The emphasis on that is just, it's like, what do you think that really... As far as a, I'll use a craft one to a hundred. How do you think this really affects the team? <laughs> what is it? Well, in the order of importance, a hundred obviously being the most it's, important. It's, it's one. Well, you're then a you're a sh- schmuck. Yeah, that's what I wanted. To you're learn. a schmuck, Gerard. Yeah, I, I, honest to God, it, it, it does in a way feel like the. Uh, Are you ever going to be able to make everybody happy? No. And isn't that a real inherent problem of the way moving forward? Because while it's collaborative, collaborative in air quotes, you have what now? 20 coaches, let's say, and 53 players, and you'll have 15 on a practice squad. So we're talking about 100 people are going to be happy, they're gonna feel loved. They're gonna feel heard, and they're all gonna be aligned. All hundred people. You better make sure that that team is kind of well put together as far as everybody being able to discipline themselves and motivate themselves. Because the one thing you'll you'll take advantage of it. Uh, we'll take. We want a shorter practice. We want this. We want that. My whole thing, even in just even like to, in society. Just an overall people who just, you know, demanding this, demanding this so they want this, they want that. And why aren't you listening to me? Why? why, Nobody's paying attention to me. You know, sometimes when like when my kids come back, come to me and they ask for something, sometimes it's really just as simple as no. And I don't need to give you a freaking reason why. No. I mean, they don't tell you I'm a grown ass man. Yeah, they or I'm a no. grown woman. Nobody, it's, I feel like that is, that drives me crazy because there's so much emphasis on like this, you know, kumbaya, knocking down silos. Everybody gets a voice and you're getting a bad grade because you don't listen to me. You don't pay attention to me. I'm not seen. Well, you know, that's what I wonder how much of this could be rooted in the locker room in terms of some of the disconnect. Because, like you just said, uh, there might have been some guys who were just like, la, 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 I'm not listening anymore. La, 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 I'm not, you know, you just tune out. And if you've got guys that'll tune out, if they'll do it for one, they'll do it for another because it's about the player. It's about the person who just goes, la, 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 la. Everybody I'm sure has dealt with, a kid or someone in their family who wasn't quite responsible, who had people around them who would say, don't do this, don't do that, and they'd do the whole, I'm a grown-ass man. Fine, go make your mistakes. It's the NFL. We can choose to let you go make your mistakes elsewhere. What's the other the other aspect of the, all the practices weren't efficient? They got a bad grade because they weren't efficient practices? The schedule wasn't efficient? I just think that if you're someone... And the knock on you, the knock on you, is that you make people work hard, you're automatically, with the new generation, going to get pushback. <laughs> How about this? When was your last year in the NFL? It 2007? Uh, seven, seven? Eight? I don't uh, know. I thought it was nine, but okay. No, I think it was seven. Okay. Yeah. Seven or eight, let's say. Because, of course, the text comes in, for you played 30 years ago, things have changed. Yeah, you don't have a kid who plays major college football. You don't, have, you don't have daughters who are, you know, athletes at institutions with scholarships. You know, you have no idea, Fourier, <laughs> that you just left the league a generation and a half ago. And now everything has changed so much, you know, like the Chiefs, they hate their owner. But they went and won a championship. Like they they uh, the word is supposedly now this is where it gets a little muddy in some of these like NFLPA deals. Apparently they voted down the Chiefs owners and made them an F minus because they're uh, according to J C Treader who's the president of the NFLPA said well they they told the players they're going to do a new locker room at and they won the Super Bowl and then they didn't do it. I did a little digging on this. Okay, there's apparently going to be an eight hundred million dollar renovation or that's what it's going to cost, to uh, Arrowhead Stadium. And the Chiefs are only paying for $300 million of it. So while the players were all – the way I interpret this is, while the players were all pissed off they didn't get a locker room and they voted the owner as a bad guy, the owner was like, shut up, I'm waiting for the ship to come in on the public money that's going to help make my stadium better. <laughs> yeah. So guess what? Vote me with an F minus. I'll take your F minus and get five hundred million in funding from the city or the state to redo my stadium, so I can make more money. Boo! If you're mad at me, thanks for the championship. I do like, there's seriously. So I guess he, it's I, such a bigger game that that the owners are playing. They're the and the and the players are just. I don't have my free cupcakes, God dang it. I I feel like they just worry about the most
0: insignificant
2: things. It's just like you have complained about with the NFLPA on the uh, the way the players get paid. They sold the rookies right up the river. Yeah. And now it's like, boy, maybe we shouldn't have done it. Now I hear that uh, dopey uh, Dominique Foxworth with the, well, you know, this whole stuff is really unconstitutional. If it wasn't for the union, yeah, well, your generation of players sold the rookies up the river. So shut up. It's unbelievable. I don't. I mean, good luck to him. I hope everybody's heard. Everybody has seen. Everybody gets a turn. Everybody gets a trophy. That's kind of what it turns into. And and I wonder, like the. I just worry about the efficient thing, like. I do. I do know that any team I've ever been on, you never really had enough time. Like the the, the schedule was set where you were always rushing. Mm-hmm. You're always running to this meeting. Not be. You got to get taped. Or you got to eat. Then you got to hop in the car and you got to walk to the practice field. And holy crap, how much time do I have left? Digital clocks all over the place. There's never enough time because you know what? The practice has got to end sometime. They can only have you out there for a certain amount of time. I don't know. I, I, I don't get it. I don't get the efficient part. We're moving closer towards just walkthroughs, meetings, and then just hit on Sundays. At least that's what it kind of feels like. Uh, speaking of being hit, I know that uh, there was an incident last night. Uh, was it Texas A? I can't remember if it was Texas A&M or whomever it was. It's not Mississippi State, but... Basically, we had more crowds going crazy uh, in college court basketball. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no, no. Was something else? Because we now let this era of lawlessness of just, yeah, run on the court, whatever you want, Lawless. people throwing stuff as a player gets ejected and the coach had to get on the thing and be like, hey, we don't do that here. Don't be throwing something on the floor. We're going to get a technical, da, 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 da. But again, we're telling people that it's an era of lawlessness. But someone is on Fourier's side when it comes to Duke's I, I, I Kyle think, Filipowski. I think that if you hear this, maybe you will change your tone because he he agrees with well me and Nick and Billy. Like, you're on an island on this particular topic. Oh, sure. Because um, here's Chris Canty uh, on, uh, what was it, a get-up yesterday uh-huh. discussing uh, who's really – at fault here for the whole wake forest duke fiasco the dynamic of the fans that are in the stadiums or arena absolutely play a role in it but let's also not pretend like the players don't have to have some more awareness in those situations as well what do you mean by that well well, what we saw from kyle filipowski he's acting like he's going on a walk through the quad on campus (laughs) where you see that there are fans that are storming the court he has to have more awareness of the situation and have urgency about getting the hell off the court. Now, I think that they have to do a better job of creating a plan and having that in place. Well, there we go. kind of closes that subject for... For now. Oh yeah, because kind of closes yeah. it. Except at Another. the end,
3: he kind of agreed with the crash for the shepherd. No, no yeah. he should have a plan, no, no, but he still. Yeah. And no, we all. No, I no. said How they needed this? a plan. Yeah, How I about, said they
2: needed a plan too. Yeah, I, 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 yes. I can't. I can't believe we're in 2024 and we haven't figured out a way to keep people from storming the quarter, running on the floor. But then again, if you're okay with people running on the floor, then some the the kid who got ejected in the Mississippi State game last night. He got cranked in the face with a bottle full of water. Excuse me for a second. Pops Can on the mic. we stop all the boo and let these guys play? It's, God, class, it's not who we are. Oh, thank you. For teaching oh, no, us a lesson. That no, wasn't that was Popovich. Yeah, that was Popovich. That was, what was that? What he, again, they were booing somebody. They were booing but if, somebody. But if you're but if you're okay with yeah, people running right. on the floor and jeopardizing the, you know, the athletes, I'm sure you're okay with some guy hucking a bottle of pee from three thirty one. You know what? Maybe I'm just a little just conditioned to deal with it based on my own experiences where if if you visited Oakland Coliseum and they were throwing D-size uh, cell uh D-size uh batteries at you as you were walking through throwing beer literally on your head if God forbid you scored a touchdown you couldn't stop if you hit the north end of that stadium the whole black hole they they would literally grab you <laughs> I mean, it was it was quite comical but I loved it. Hey, you don't. Know I love the environment. You don't know what I went through at the University of Richmond when we played there on the road <laughs> yeah. in '94. What happened to the spiders? <laughs> what were the spiders doing? Oh, those spiders—they're <laughs> dangerous. We're, we're going to get you now. They uh, now <laughs> they got this uh, big thing. It's like a, it's almost like a blow-up tunnel in a way, and it's got the big spider on the front of it. Ooh, well, because they uh, they didn't want to do like on the uh, on the scoreboard. You could have like the spider that looks like it's going to jump out and get <laughs> you. Apparently, people get uh, what arachnophobia, right? Oh my, God. Are you Anti-spider? No, I love the spiders. No, no. Spider. Oh, uh... Like nah, no, nah, nah, no, that's not a house, thing. No, I'm fine you, with that. Are you hopping away? No, are you snakes. on your No, no, car? no. I will mess up a spider. <laughs> I'm a tough guy when it comes to killing spiders. <laughs> a mess up <of> a spider. <laughs> <laughs> Till some of those giant Australian ones are, like, <laughs> yeah. this big, and you're like, what the yeah, he's hell? He's good
3: with the daddy long legs, not a black widow. Yeah, yeah
2: no, 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 no. I, although I would just run it over with something. I would do the same thing. Yeah. Uh, Billy, have you, uh, have you and Benny had a big spider talk? Or has he seen like a real life spider and like tried to pick it up and eat it? I don't think there was one the <laughs> other day where. I mean, that's um, what little kids do, don't uh, they? They try to eat everything. Oh my god, he literally tries to eat everything. Yeah, <laughs> don't touch anything near him because he instantly wants it and instantly going to try to eat it. He's uh, put it in his mouth. The other day, no, my girlfriend did kill a spider in front of him. I don't think he had any reaction to it. Okay. It's only probably because time. she didn't freak out. Got it. Because she kind of tried to do the whole like, if I don't freak out, then he won't freak out when oh, he gets all the type thing. Yeah, that would that would be good. Yeah, my kid and, does- she, and she hates them. So for her to kind of like silently grab a paper towel and kill a spider is very is difficult impressive. for her. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. My wife kind of goes through the same thing. Except when I hear the scream, we're just like, "What do we need to kill?" Because she just can't do it. it it's amazing. It also doesn't help that she's five feet tall. If it's on the ceiling, she's. No, same way. Help. My yeah. girlfriend's lucky if she's five feet. There you go. Yep. Yep. Five feet in the morning, I say. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced.
1: Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game.
2: You have 47 new voicemails.
0: Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies
3: last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply.
0: We really need new phones.
1: T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month.
0: New iPhone 15s? It's over
1: here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. You can stream the show or listen on demand anytime. Just download the Odyssey app. That's A-U-D-A-C-Y. Say I's a favorite and listen wherever you go. Now, more Gresh and Fourier. On WEI.
2: 1222. How could you be so heartless? He has no heart. He has uh no feelings, so but he won't be afraid to hurt yours from <laughs> WEEI.karma com our guy Andy Hard Karma on the uh Harbor One hotline. That's right, with the uh with the brown bears uh visor on today. Hard, how are you? I'm tremendous. How are you guys? Uh did you see uh, Brad Stevens with the uh, buzz cut? Are you thinking of uh, getting one yourself? Uh, I don't think I have the head for it. I got some weird lumps in
1: the back of my head. I don't know if they did that old-fashioned thing where they grab you to pull you out when you're born, but uh, <laughs> there's some weird things going on. <laughs> hold on, he's
2: got a big head. They use head. The, Wait, the suction cup. Hold on, turn him and... Yeah. Okay, yeah. there we go. They used the oh, suction a, cup. Fourier
1: makes fun of me being tiny. I was a massive baby. Some would argue I haven't grown much since uh, that point. But yeah, I've realized I
2: had, that that has nothing to do your baby, you nothing. know, weight has nothing to do with uh, you know how big you'll be as an adult. Yeah, no, I was, was probably a tiny baby. No, right. I was. I was. Uh, it's funny. I was seven pounds ten ounces. It's not that Big. However, by the time I was six months old, I was wearing three-year-old toddler clothes. Oh God. So once exactly. I got out, I grew like a weed. Like, what's wrong with this kid? Yeah,
1: I forgot what I was, but I remember my mother complaining and telling me that I was a real pain in the you know what, hmm. I don't mean the ass. Ah, oh, interesting. <laughs> yeah,
2: and forty years later, still the same, still thing, thing. Still, still, thing. Absolutely. still the same thing. Still so, Gresh, I need thing. to, um,
1: I need to play your annoying side of the street for uh, a second. Here. Oh,
2: Ooh. we're going anti wide receiver. Here we go. Nope,
1: nope not that annoying oh, side oh, of the street. Oh, damn. Okay, sorry different about annoying that. side of the street. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, okay. So, uh, with sarcasm, with this NFLPA report card that's come out, that is certainly, as I put on Twitter, a groundable offense, if you're the Patriots, because they got their butts whooped. But um, didn't we fire the guy who got the highest grade? <laughs> Bill Belichick got like a B-, and yeah. for them, that's a great grade, and we ran him out of town, and everybody else is still
2: here. How do you, uh, in all seriousness, though, Hart, because you were in that building for such a long period of time, you've mm-hmm. seen the evolution of the building, was did did that thing kind of take you by surprise? Like the thing that really got me was Robert Kraft got a D plus, Bill Belichick got a B minus, yet they're both ranked the same. Something doesn't seem right.
1: Yeah, I think uh, well, some of the Kraft stuff I think just clearly ties into some of the other stuff, right? Like you're the owner, and if I feel like you're not investing in my family, well, that's on you. And now they have some limitations in terms of terms of their facility, the way it's built. And I understand that. I don't want to you know, they only have one tunnel, for example, because of the hill and the rock and whatever it's built into formerly next to Foxborough Stadium. Um, But I'm surprised at how far they've fallen. And you know what it tells me? And I've always believed this, that winning is all it's really about. Like, if you win. People think you're a first-class franchise, regardless of what's going on. Mm -hmm. Travel, food, they could be serving you sloppy joes. I know how you kids like it. And (laughs) if you win the Super Bowl, people are like, yeah, that's a first-rate owner, first-rate facility, (laughs) the whole thing. And then when you lose, the opposite is true. Like, you start to nitpick all the little things that really haven't changed over the years, and I'm not saying they're the best. Like, we know Bill Belichick. Remember last year when they went to Vegas, and he was like, holy, this is the Taj Mahal of football. Boy, this is nice. It must be. Like, he went over the top, and we were already going down the road, I think, of this relationship ending. You know, he may not have known it definitively at the time, but they were nitpicking. Um, But I do. I think some of it comes from the winning and the losing. It's a little like Bill. He was a hard ass for 20 years. And when did it bother people? The last four. Why? Why? Because he lost. If he kept winning, they'd be like, yeah, he's an a-hole, but he's our a-hole, and we celebrate with a parade every February. Like, I just so much of this is tied to the perceptions that come from winning and losing. And I'm not saying it's wrong. Like, they don't have a room for families. I've always thought it was weird. Then I eg- exit the media room, and there's like a, a pipe and drape, and there's family <laughs> yeah. members like Giselle eating off a, uh, <laughs> you know, fold-up picnic table or whatever that's out in the hallway. Yeah, That's strange.
2: Fa- yeah, and God forbid it's cold, and in the wintertime, everybody's yeah. still wearing their puffy coats. Right. The one thing that I thought was interesting, though, because I think all of this is insignificant in the big scheme of things when it comes to winning, but they do matter. Um the travel aspect was was interesting to me because they have their own plane. Yep, it's not like they're staying at the you know the Super Eight Motel. You know, it's Marriott. It's a Hyatt. It's a Hilton. It's a nice hotel. It's not the Ritz. It's not the Four Seasons. Damn it! You know, uh, but because again, I'm curious about that that aspect of it because the the plane always used to bug me more than anything, and now everybody's got their own freaking seat. It feels like a first class seat. You got your own TV. Lots of space. That one was weird. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I haven't traveled for a while, but to me,
1: they did everything you could ask them to do. I mean, they bring security to Gillette Stadium. You do security right there. You don't have to go to the airport do anything there. You, you, what, what more is being done in the other cities that grade higher? I don't know because uh, I, I think it's all. You know, the food is always good on the plane. They give you, you eat. I mean, some of those short trips, New York and Buffalo, you can't possibly eat as fast as they bring you the food that's delivered. And But it's, you tried. Uh, yeah, the first few times, I'm not going to lie to you, I did try. I never said no. because it, It's free. It was Hagen dazs yes, even though I just had cheesecake on the regular tray. Like, oh, you have big, warm cookies now? Yes, I will take a cookie. Um, uh, and then I learned, well, you probably could, you know, pick and choose your spots there. But, yeah, the travel one was a little bit interesting to me. And again, I also wonder if things just get swayed. Like, when you're in a negative mood and you're a player, Mm -hmm. like you're mad at Bill and you're mad at losing, do you automatically just go like a grade down on everything? I was going to put a C, but you know what? We suck. He's a dink. I'm putting D. So I think some of that infiltrates the grading there.
2: Uh, Andy Hart of com is uh, with us. And, of course, the Combine Hart is going on. And uh, yesterday... It seems like based on the timeline here, Elliot Wolf had his like 15 minutes of the public press conference yesterday and then I think the way this has gone down afterwards ended up making the comment about the uh was hard ass vibe. Hard ass yeah. vibe. Uh what did you make of that from Elliot Wolf and that he didn't say it at the podium when everybody was paying attention.
1: Yeah, I just First of all, these guys are obviously learning their way. Gerard Mayo and, and Elliot Wolf as spokesmen. You know, what they bring to the equation in that role. And I also think it muddies the water. Now, most teams have dealt with this forever. Having two voices. Like a GM talks at the Combine and a coach co- talks at the Combine. The Patriots always had one face, one voice. Bill Belichick. So there's never been an ability really, other than the occasional, oh, Nick Casario had a presser or Matt Groh had a presser before the draft, you didn't really have a lot of chances to compare and contrast messaging. And are they sticking to the same script? Oh, are they butting heads? Is there something going on here? Um, in terms of all the veiled or not so veiled references to the past, and this has been going on for weeks now. I mean, when Gerard Mayo introduces Alex Van Pelt and those guys, and he says "We, we multiple times, we don't have any egos on this staff, no more egos around here. I'm sorry, but he's a smart enough guy to know if he says that, Immediately, the listener, the reporter, the fan is saying, oh, so he's poking holes at Bill's ego over the last few years and where the hubris got in the way here in Foxborough. So he is smart enough to know that every comment made will be directly compared to Belichick and the way he handled things, even some that I don't think are fair. Like at the podium yesterday when he said the, uh, the Packer way was about drafting, developing, keeping, blah, blah, blah. And treating people the right way (laughs) immediately people went to bill oh he was a jerk he didn't treat people the right way i don't think that was as much about like please and thank you and holding the door for people as it was treating people the white right way person personnel wise like treating jacoby myers the right way the guy that went from undrafted rookie to leading receiver did everything you asked him to do And then you let him walk over a million bucks. You haggled with him over a million dollars. Is that treating personnel the right way? Is that good for business? Is that good for the overall team development? Um, But I think more people just thought, oh, they don't like Bill. And Bill was a jerk to them down the stretch. And, And then I thought it was interesting that Gerard kind of pushed back against it or tried to massage it today with his comments to the gathered media in Indy saying, you know, everybody wants to jump to conclusions, but he had a lot of success and obviously we'd love to rekindle and replicate some of that success but the reality is bill belichick was a jerk you know how i know that bill knew that bill said that i'm tough to play for it's a tough place to play i rub people he knew that he admitted it many times over the years so they're not saying anything bill didn't say like he he knew exactly what the culture was that he was succeeding in and they're just changing it they're modernizing it they're taking it in a more corporate culture direction
2: yeah, yeah, Andy Hart here with us right now and I do think um they will regret it as far as oh. like opening the door and letting the media in and you know being real open and honest and to your point earlier they're learning as they go. At what point in time do they realize okay, holy crap, uh, I can't be this way anymore. Well, I think Gerard may have already realized it. I think
1: between the comment I talked to you about Gresh When he made the comment about who they were taking, and then you took it as well, Mayo said they're taking a quarterback. And then the burn cash comment, which juxtaposition to that, yesterday we had uh, Elliot Wolf say, We might even save money to be determined. So they, I think, are realizing that, you know, as much as you're an energetic guy and having fun and doing interviews and you want to be liked and like, you got to be smart with your messaging. And there's certain things that are going to be picked apart. And I think Gerard may have already. Learned that lesson because as much as we want to hear it, haven't we learned in this town? uh, The Celtics once were going to have fireworks on draft night. Everybody got excited. Nothing happened. The Red Sox were going to go full throttle this offseason. It affects the expectations of the public. And then when you don't go full throttle, well, what the hell happened, right? You're over-promising and under-delivering. And every business on earth tells you, nope, you want to flip that script. You want to under-promise and over-deliver. Tell people, you know, we're in a rebuild and we'll see where our opportunities may lie financially. And then, boom, go sign a receiver. Go sign a tackle. And people are like, oh, my God, I didn't see this coming. This is the greatest free agent offseason ever. So I think they're learning some lessons as new, youthful spokesmen for this football team. Lessons that, guess what? Bill had his snafus in Cleveland. He had five years to F up in the media in Cleveland and learn the way things are taken and learn when they're hanging you in effigy or whatever that phrase is outside the building that, okay, yeah, sometimes you got to play the game or sometimes saying nothing is the right thing or say less, don't talk as much, don't be as open. So I think Elliot Wolf and Gerard Mayo are learning that lesson and may have already learned it to some degree.
2: Uh, Andy Hart of WEEI.com is uh, with us. All right. You ready for 20 million for Onwenu and 17 for Duggar? Got to make them happy. Uh, see, there's that tone. You picked up the Rich Keith
1: tone. I always tell Keith he's got a tonality issue, and you have that tone
2: issue. What do you when mean? You I uh, What are you talking about? Oh, you and I. Me? You and I. Me? You no. and I. You and I had the conversation of the twenty million dollar price point the day you yeah. were in for Christian, and uh, yep. I know that. Uh, I, I, again, hey, we're going to make them happy. So yeah. we can't, we're not going to franchise nobody. We're not going to guarantee you $20 million, but we'll, will hey, Belichick was the Jedi mind trick guy. Maybe he taught some of us too. So I'm ready for them to pay, uh, on
1: Wenu. I, I think you have to, I am. Uh, and I know you may overpay. Um, some, I mean, first of all, that happens when you have a hundred million dollars in cap space. Do you overpay for Onwenu, a guy who you know who he is, or do you overpay for Johnu Smith, some guy you're bringing in and you have this upside idea of what he might be, could be, should be, and then he isn't, and you get rid of him, and then the next team gets rid of him, and everybody regrets paying him a lot of money. I think Mike Onwenu is a critical part of what the Patriots, if you want to have a... I don't want to say quick turnaround because I don't think this is going to be quick. I don't think they. Uh, um, crap sheet had a, a post on Twitter <laughs> last night. Speaking you guys watch tone. that? Speaking that of tone. crap sheet post where he's like, if you're the Patriots and you decide you might not be a Super Bowl contender this year, then you'd consider trade might not be a Super Bowl contender. There is no shot in Hades. They're a Super <laughs> Bowl contender this year. Um, so even if you want it to be a relatively quick turnaround, I think Mike on who's part of that process like. There's not a lot of tackles on the market. You're moving on from Trent Brown. You've already had tackle issues as it is. You know you can play him at multiple positions. I've never heard a bad word about Big Mike in, in the in the locker room. I, I don't, like he's not a Trent Brown. I don't think you're worried about those issues. You never know. Anybody you hand eighty million dollars to, it can change people. I'd love to find out someday um, if I would change. But no, I I think that's a good first step toward toward um, you know. Good off season. Keep your that going.
2: Have you have you ever been to the combine? Of all your oh, years like
1: covering, eighteen years in a row.
2: Yeah. It, it, now it, it, we had a uh, what is it, uh, it? Jeff Foster on who uh, yeah. runs it. Right. I thought it was interesting. I'm curious. Um, out of the eighteen years, like, did it change much at all for you, other than like the you know the lo- location and the hotels and stuff like that? But it's basically been the same since you were there. It grew. It blew up. It used to be a much smaller event with less
1: media. Um, You used to get, you know, the group sessions with the bigger name players were like, oh, 20, 25 reporters. Now it's like 200 reporters, you know, around Williams or whoever it is. Um, And obviously back in the day, it was for writers. Then it became a on TV, made for TV, live event where they're putting everything, and then they expanded into showing, you know, allowing media into the drills, showing more of the drills, like that whole thing. So it's grown and it's become a TV event. Um, and and I'm always it's one of those things you marvel at the way the NFL turned the draft into a three day event, the way yeah. they can turn this into a multi day event. But no, the the foundation of it. I think, is still the same. And if you ask the teams, first and foremost is medicals, and then second is the interviews. What do, you think,
2: what do you think the most important drill is?
1: Ah, uh, the most important drill? Well, I mean, everybody will tell you it isn't, but I think it's the 40. Guys get drafted on the 40. It just happens. They all tell you, no, we like football players, we want fo-. Holy crap, what'd that guy run? Let's see if we can get him on our team. They just do it from... Vernon Davis, Ben Watson, Mike Mamula. Oh, uh, big hits. <laughs> whoever No, they most of them stink and they should <laughs> learn the lesson, but even all these aged football people when they see a 4-2-7 or a 4-3-4, they just get like icky balooky and they can't they can't <laughs> help themselves. They just wonder what that guy'll be and there's been just enough hits out of those super fast guys that keep luring people into making mistakes. So, yeah, I still think it's the 40-yard dash that everybody pretends isn't that important. Uh,
2: Quickly, only because this just popped up on the uh, timeline, according to uh, Jets GM Joe Douglas, Zach Wilson has been given permission to seek a trade. (laughs) Is there any level of, like, like, does Zach Wilson affect any of either what Could, might, or will happen with guys like Justin Fields and Mac Jones? Um, Well,
1: you know I've kind of thrown out just would you do the garbage for garbage deal of Mac Jones for Zach Wilson. If you can't find a better offer, if you've reached the point where you're maybe just going to cut Mac Jones, would you consider trading him for Zach Wilson to bring him in for the summer just... On the off chance that Alex Van Pelt really is a QB whisperer, and maybe he could do something with him, I think I would consider it if I can't find a better option. Um, it adds a body to the market, and I guess you're probably swimming in similar pools—former first-round quarterbacks who, you know, have blown up and now are looking for. So maybe if you're calling. The 49ers. Hey, supposedly you guys had interest at Mac at 3 a couple of years ago. Do you want him? And they're like, yeah, but the Jets are also on the phone. And we kind of had interest with him, too. So very, very minuscule uh, effect on the Patriots. I think the biggest one is simply: would you consider consider the garbage for garbage deal? And most people would not. They yell. Yeah, at me I, bring
2: up. I I'm a little surprised you kind of uh, went that way because I wonder if this is an indicator of how the rest of the league is looking at all those guys. Yeah, you're gonna cut them anyway, right. right? Well, you know what I mean. So the the reason I brought it up is I wonder if it's an indicator for the Bears and the patriots that hey they're allowing this kid from the jets to go look for a trade because nobody really wants him and i wonder if just if if it's kind of a precursor to come for these teams that have these quarterbacks where other people would be like yeah, I'd like to just pay under a million for that guy. He's only a four-year player. I'll wait till they cut him. So, right, and there's going to be a lot
1: of QBs on the market. It's oh, not yeah. sexy. It's not a sexy carousel like we've had in past years. The it's fat
2: a, middle is really fat uh, in terms right. of quarterbacks this year, yeah.
1: And if you pick the right one, maybe you could hit on somebody. Like, Baker Mayfield was not a big signing with the Bucks. And now Baker Mayfield is considered a $100-plus re re-signing with the Bucks, and he's a guy that some others would have interest in if he were to pursue the open market. And then the other thing on Zach Wilson I would just throw out there is I don't know how you feel about this, Gresh, but as you draft a quarterback, let's just say they draft a quarterback at number three, are you of the belief that you like to have similar quarterbacks on your roster to avoid – the dramatic change, whether A, the number 3 pick doesn't make the team, or he does make the team and he's the starter, but then he gets hurt. Like, Do you want to kind of have similar skill sets and styles on your depth chart at the quarterback position? Not, I,
2: I don't know the answer to that, yeah. and I don't know what Alex Van Pelt's answer. In- interesting. Yeah, we'll have to uh, unpack that with our friend Andy Hart, who you can hear on the uh, Breaking Boston podcast and the Six Rings podcast as well, and dealing with the snarkiness of Keefe twice, twice a week. It's, I
1: I now know why John Farrell hated (laughs) Richard. Oh, (laughs)
2: wow. That's why I love him. Hart, thank you, buddy. We appreciate you. Hey, buddy. See you guys. Uh, Coming up, how far would you go if you thought you were screwed out of $340 million? And remember last week when Johnny Manziel accused Brian Hoyer of being a big meanie? Big deal, no big deal is next.
0: A-U-D-A-C-Y. Type that into your app search, then download. Gresh and Fourier on W E E I. All right,
2: big deal, no big deal, coming up right now, but just real quick uh programming note. Danny Green, three-time NBA champ, will join us at one o'clock. Love it. He's gonna be joining us throughout the playoffs, right? Cause we all know that the Celtics were going to the playoffs. Not sure. May, gonna, it might be cart before the horse. May. Ken Laird's got to button oh, that up. Oh, okay. I thought that was that. Again, yeah, that's the more goal. bad information. I feel like Ken Laird giving me bad information. I thought it was a done deal. I think, no. I'm, on a, I think I'm on a separate string than you. Are you assuming? No, 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 no. I'm going to say we're going to will it into you have your existence. Own, you have your own text string with Ken? Is yeah, it's like saying? when I walk to go get a coffee, I bump into him. I was like, hey, what's going on with this guy, Danny Green? Let's try him out. See Is how we- the
3: one Justin's on? Huh? Is that the one Justin Turpin's on? No,
2: no, just me. It's where I talk about everybody behind your back. That's how it works. Oh, okay. (laughs) All right, so what would you do if you thought somebody screwed you out of $340 million? I'd probably lose my mind. I mean, you would lose, like, you would literally go nuts, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If I thought that uh, I had what would essentially be a winning lottery ticket. Yeah, Yeah. So, this is a story. I'm going to play a clip real quick from uh, Chicago Channel 7 ABC News where a man is suing Powerball, claiming that he sold $340 million after. Incorrect winning lottery numbers were posted on a website.
0: And from Washington, D.C., is suing the Powerball, saying it owes him $340 million. 60 year old John Cheeks says the incorrect winning Powerball numbers were posted on the game's website. Cheeks bought a ticket in 2023 for the January 7th drawing. He says the
1: number on the website had changed by January 10th.
0: Last year, Powerball's website agency claimed it accidentally posted Cheeks winning numbers to the DC lottery website and didn't remove the mistake <laughs> until the ninth. but the agency says Cheeks is trying to capitalize on an obvious error from the lotto website.
1: His attorneys argue he should still be paid based on past situations where Powerball paid declared winners and a similar situation. In
0: 2013, I feel a settlement mm-hmm. coming on.
2: Oh, is that uh, like, a, is that like feeling the bubble guts, oh lady? Jeez, a uh, big deal, no big deal. Like the energy on that show sucks. Uh, well, it was the news report. Jeez, they're, they're hardened news people. They're not on <laughs> to dance a little thing Jeez. for you, a little bit of energy with your with your message. All right, so here's what happened: the dude buys a lottery ticket. Uh, The numbers are posted up on the website. Yep, He looks at his tickets like, holy crap, I won. Correct. He thinks he's $340 million richer. Well, sure enough, the numbers were put up on the website incorrectly. For some reason or not, he still thinks he should get credit for winning the lottery ticket. And now he's suing big deal, no big deal. It's a very big deal. You know why? One word, Precedent. Powerball has screwed this up before and they had to pay somebody out and I think it's going to uh it's going to happen again on a much smaller level. Again there's there's legal precedent to where you know some lawyer looks at this and goes, "Hey, listen, you ain't getting the whole thing. So, but there's enough here. They What uh, are you suing for? Gresh? Getting your hopes up? No. Well, is that what you, is that what and the an, lawsuit and, said? And, you and got a, my hopes up. And, I thought I won. An official Powerball website that they did not correct had those up there for three days for this guy to think, yes, I'm a winner. He went to go try to collect and everything, and they were like, "Oh, you should just throw that ticket away. The guy went and put it in a safety deposit box because he did the research on the whole, hey, this has happened before. I might be able to get a bag for this. So, no, it's well, a big deal it. because they, the Powerball people screwed up. Or make that individual lottery. I pony would say up to the guy. Okay, at least there needs to be some sort of pain and suffering. And, and maybe there is because maybe he went out and bought a car, bought a new watch or something like this because he thought he was going to be winning all this money because obviously the website won't be wrong when it comes to $340 million. I got my hopes up, Your Honor. I want to be paid for it. Yep, and it. Hey, it happened to this lady in Chula Vista in twenty sixteen. I'd like a bag like her. <laughs> I think you are right, though. I think they will somehow, maybe, probably not the whole three hundred forty oh, million. Oh no, 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 no! no. But, but there will be something that they still, have to kind of. If you think you are owed three hundred forty million, and they say we owe you nothing, and then it's like uh, remember in Seinfeld with Jackie Childs and uh, and Kramer, he ended up becoming like the Marlboro Man because he like jumped at the first deal. That's what I feel like it would be like, all right, we'll give you two and a half million. So jump across the table and shake that (laughs) hand and take that money. All right, I want to slide this one in here before we get to Danny Green. Um, So last week, um, Johnny Manziel was on uh, Club Shay Shay with uh, Shannon Sharp. yep, And he told a story about what a big meanie. Brian Hoyer was. Well, he didn't talk to him. He was condescending. He didn't help him at all. Well, the other day, Brian Hoyer was on uh, Good Morning Football. Yep. And they asked him to respond to this take.
3: Here's what he said. I'm I'm on my uh, vacation last week in Florida, and I get a text from Mac Jones. He goes, hey, funny, I didn't get this treatment as a rookie. And look, I'll be honest. You know, Johnny's right. That was an opportunity for me to go out and be the starter of my hometown team. But I was kind of apathetic towards him, I would say. You know, I didn't go out of my way to – you know, be a jerk to him. But in the same sense, I was trying to win this job and go out and perform the best I could. Um, You know, I feel sorry that he feels that way about it. I always looked at it like, you know, I never had any animosity towards Johnny. If anything, it was towards the owner and the GM who mm. were always trying to push him ahead of me when clearly he wasn't ready and I was going to be the starter. So, you know, it's 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 unfortunate that you know that left a, a bad taste in his mouth. But um, you know, like I said, never had any animosity towards Johnny, and you know, I feel bad that he feels that way, but you know, I don't really recall it being that way either. So,
0: was that the first time you watched it?
3: Oh, when Max sent it to me. Oh, okay. Yeah, Max sent it to me. He texts me. I'm on the beach. I'm like. Oh, God, here we go. You know, like... All right, so I guess
2: it's big deal, no big deal. Brian Hoyer not apologizing whatsoever. And then the fact that Mac Jones sent him the clip. Um, Big deal. Big deal, because Hoyer puts into perspective, really, whenever you get an opportunity in the NFL, it's got to be about you. I think we romanticize that, that Christian Fourier would be mentoring people in the middle of his career when it's your high-earning years the way you would have at the end of your career when you were the guy in the locker room to be like, dummies, don't do that. Like, yeah... Yeah, NFL players are independent contractors. That's why they try to hold the line on contract, although they started to think of the money and sort of roll over a little bit. But good for Hoyer. It was his opportunity. He's also under no right to take a knucklehead that the organization drafted and say, no, do it this way. I'm going to be the guy. He's not. It's not captain, save a quarterback. I agree with you. And I said the romanticizing is a good word for how people view those situations right. and how maybe a new rookie may view the situation. I'm the first round pick. You're supposed to mentor me. You're the big. Uh, you're the veteran quarterback. Hey, everybody knows you're not going to get the job. Why aren't you helping me out? I wouldn't do it either. There's not a chance in hell I would give you any information if I thought you were a threat. You would zero. Be, you'd be being a good teammate without being asked to, but it's not required. The difference between being a good mentor to a younger player um, and a bad mentor to a younger player is timing. Where am I at in my life? Do I care anymore? Am I just trying to string it along? And I will mentor you and motivate you and encourage you. All right, that's big deal, no big deal. I love it. Let's talk some NBA three-time world champion and Odyssey's newest NBA insider, Danny Green, will join us next.